What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Monday Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans coming off. A really difficult one on Sunday in the wind and the rain at MetLife Stadium. Texans lose 30-6. to It was more like 21-6, to but it was a significant trouncing from the New York Jets. The 4-8, and now 5-8 and New York Jets. That team looked good. Texans did not. That was a tough one. Got to shake it off. Got to put it behind us. But to do that on the show, we're going to talk to our luminaries, as we always do. We start with our good friend, Andre Ware, who had one heck of a weekend. Heisman Trophy's in New York. We're playing in New York. Goes to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Calls the game. Goes to the Heisman Trophy dinner that night on Sunday night. What a weekend Andre Ware had. And we had a chance to talk to him about that and the game and everything else. Here's Andre with me and Mark. All right, so you thought about it, you've been stewing about it, you've been <laughs> contemplating it, so yesterday, and then what the week might be like for the Houston Texans getting ready for the Titans Sunday. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's one of those uh, one of those those weeks where D'Amico's kind of got to bite down a little bit, and uh, I think he probably will after that performance. Uh, the expectations, what was at stake, and then to go out, and pretty much lay an egg like that, uh, That then it's a reality check at this point in the season to the point where you are uh, kind of reestablishing what's at stake, what uh, what can play out the rest of the, uh, the season, and, and I think that'll be used as motivation going forward. Dre, Bobby Sloak has done a tremendous job this year. Uh, I don't think there's any question. But is there anything to take out of how Nathaniel Hackett Managed the game for Zach Wilson yesterday. That maybe if if it is Davis Mills that has to start, that Bobby can take some, you know, look across the field and go. You know what? I respect how he handled things, and then the way that Zach was able to respond. Do you think that maybe Bobby can learn anything from that? The way that Nathaniel Hackett kind of managed Zach yesterday. Yeah, there's ways to help him. Even though CJ's a rookie, or you know, Davis is a young player. If if he has to go then it's one of those situations where I, I think, yeah, you can you can find some things here and there. But I don't know that there are any easy throws or any gimmies uh, in the NFL because once you determine something as a gimme or an easy throw, then the defense is going to take that away from you. Yep, that makes sense. All right, Dre, you look around the league. They couldn't capitalize. Do the young players, and I don't expect you to know this, but this is analysis – how do they feel this time of year, the rookies? We talk about physically and going through the wall and all that. they got to run right through that rookie wall if it exists at all, but I imagine it does. So you can comment on that. Plus, mm-hmm. they're in a playoff race, and we still got a long way to go. We still have four games to go. In the old days, we'd call this a quarter of the season to go. I mean, that's basically what it is. You got a lot of games left. Robert Woods was saying it earlier. Your thoughts on that? I think the rookie wall only exists if you if you're out of it. If you're still playing for something, then you're still playing. You're looking forward to mm. going to practice. You're looking forward to getting workouts in. All of it. Now that hits for pretty much everybody when uh, when you're out of it. When you're sitting at at five and eight as opposed to eight and five or whatever the record is. Uh, then yeah, that it's going to hit, but it hits different for uh, for different people based on the team's success. Dre defensively yesterday able to stop the run for the most part. I think you held him to three yards of carry, twenty six carries, I think seventy nine yards. But obviously Zach 
uh, gets loose. Defensively, what's the biggest concern heading into the Titans game in your eyes? Blake Cashman went down with an injury, and we talked about that during the broadcast, how that was impacting the linebackers. But defensively, is it Will Anderson with the ankle? I mean, I, we don't know what that's going to be. I know he was questionable at the end of the game. Your thoughts about defensively the biggest concern heading into the Titans game? Just big plays, Johnny. Just too many big plays being given up. When you look at it as a whole, when you are when you still have something left to play for and you're still uh, involved in it, no matter how long the season, how much you have left of it, you're still looking forward to it. And you're looking to play hard and you're going to play as hard as ever. I guarantee you, you guys hear me talk about this, and I'm just talking overall now with the Texans. Uh, there are always two games on the schedule where you come out and you have no idea where the hell this team came from. Who is this? Who is this that we saw? Yesterday yeah. was one of those. And I think Carolina was the other one. And so when you get past those, then, you know, you can push through some things. And then you might get close to it again, but those are the ones that you usually win because you've been there before and you have talent on a football team. And I think that's exactly where they are now. It's just they need a reminder that they are still a good football team. Dre, how was the Heisman ceremony for you? I know you had to do some work, but you also get to celebrate and be with the guys. And that's got to be incredibly special to participate in that event as many years as you're able to do it. I know you're not able to do it every year, but right. I'll always say this. It's the greatest individual award yep. in sports. Absolutely. There's no question about it. In team sports, there's no greater individual award. I can almost argue in all sports, but anyway, how was it Saturday night? It was fantastic. Uh, my, I, I don't. You're right. I don't get to go every year, but this year things just kind of lined up perfectly where – the Texans were coming into New York. The Heisman's obviously there. And uh, and I actually got to stay last night through the dinner, which I haven't done in, in a quite some time. It probably, uh, it's been about two years since the last last time I was there. But um, it, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I really can't describe it. The stories that are told, uh, things that we share back and forth, everybody kind of, you know, you realize what the other guy has gone through and what you have, you know, you got to block out when you're going through that and everybody's trying to talk to you about how does it feel to be a Heisman finalist, all of that stuff. But, you know, you start telling stories and laughing and having a good time and you just forget certain things and certain stories are reminded, and, you know, all of it. And uh, just the kids that are there, that you get to interact with them. It's a great, great evening that, uh, that I look forward to, even though I can't do it every year. Dre, Jaden Daniels does end up winning the Heisman, and I, I find it fascinating in this world that we live in that the last, I mean, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, they're all transfers. They're all transfers yeah. that end up winning this award, but Jaden's year was absolutely incredible, almost over 4,000 yards passing, over 1,100 yards rushing. It was kind of hard to argue with the numbers. Uh, what were your thoughts about Jaden in particular winning the Heisman? Yeah, I thought he had a phenomenal season. Um, when you look at the the transfer part of it, you know he's got a coach that leaves that he went to Arizona State to play for. Sure. Those are how the uh, the rules were supposed to have been set up for transfers and uh, for things like that. Not just because hey, I'm not playing or I'm not happy or I'm fourth string on the on the depth chart and I just got to campus. You know, my parents think I should be playing. Let me transfer somewhere and not compete and figure out a spot to, to actually slide in. And, uh, but Jaden took it full advantage of, of the, 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 uh, 
the system and how the rules were set up for him, and he got better every every year. Uh, he was getting better every year at Arizona State, and then he had that the big year, obviously, this year with over 4,200 yards passing and over 1,000 yards rushing. He's, he's unbelievable. I was sitting at a table, just walked in last night before the dinner, and he came and plopped right down, and we started talking, and just a really good young man. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing what his future holds for him. The Tax Act Texas Bowl is December 27th with Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. But bowl season actually starts Saturday. And you're yeah. going to be doing the New Orleans Bowl with Jacksonville State and Louisiana. So that's Raging Cajuns, right? Yeah, Raging Cajuns. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. In yeah. New Orleans. That's, that sounds like a good one. It sounds like a fun one. It's the school of my, uh, my goddaughter. She's in that. Her brother. Trey's in uh, had gone to school there, uh, so it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. I re- I really am. And uh, Rich Rod has got his team going again. Louisiana always seems to be in the thick of things in their conference, and so it's no surprise that they are bowling again this year. And to get the first bowl game right out of the gate is always exciting because everybody's always looking forward uh, to the start of bowl season. So uh, lock in, check us out, help us with the ratings. <laughs> All right. There That'll are, happen. There are you know, the set, Harris household, that's happening. There are seven bowls on Saturday. It's awesome. On December 16th. Great. I yeah, love it's it. It's a good, good great, college football great. day. Yeah, it is. Right. I mean, it's uh, one, of the, one of the days I know the company looks forward to because a lot of those bowl games are, are owned by ESPN themselves. Yeah, man, what a weekend for Andre Ware, Jaden Daniels, Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, that's the way my vote would have gone. I would have gone Jaden Daniels. I would have gone Michael Penix, then Bo Nix, um, and then maybe Cody Schrader from Missouri. Just throw somebody different in there. Marvin Harrison, top five as well. So, yeah, pretty unbelievable year in college football. And now we're on to bowl season. Seven games, December 16th, this Saturday. It's going to be an absolute blast as we get going with the bowl games. And, of course, Tax Act Texas Bowl, December 27th. Oklahoma State taking on A&M. Don't know how many players you'll see from A&M. There'll be some going pro. There'll be some transferring. But love the fact that Cowboys and Aggies are meeting again in the Texas Bowl. It's going to be a fun one. Joining us next, our friend Andy Kaloop. Well, we had a lot to talk about early in the show. Let's talk about Andy Kaloop's thoughts on this game against the New York Jets. Many things he hits right on the head. We'll do that next right here on Texas All Access. Yes, sir. Welcome back to this edition of Texans All Access from the Under Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, a little weary from this weekend. Tough one up in New Jersey. But we got to move on to the Tennessee Titans. But before we do, let's talk to our good pal, N.D. Kalu, Texans legends, Texans OGs. He and I did extra points on Saturday. Hopefully you did not miss it because we were right on with all the things that we said, no doubt about that. So, let's check out what Andy had to say about this Jets game and beyond. Andy, what do you make of going up to New York and what you saw yesterday? Let's start with the defense, unable to deal with Zach Wilson and the short passes and some of the intermediate stuff as well. It was a really tall order to stop him yesterday. We didn't think it was going to be necessarily, but they had a great deal of difficulty doing it. And that's the most disappointing part of the game when, when you allow Zach Wilson to get hot in the second half. And you have to emphasize second half because in the first half, he looked like the guy that may or may not be a bust. 
as far as how highly he was uh, taken in the draft. But in the second half, he looked like the number two overall pick at that position because he looked good in the second half. He, he looked like a, a face of the franchise, and you just felt like the defense allowed him to get comfortable with what Brees Hall did, average four yards a carry. Uh, I think he had like close to 90 yards receiving. That, that, to me, gave Zach Wilson the confidence, knowing that that was his security blanket. And then obviously, y'all have already talked about Garrett Wilson and what he was able to do. Uh, with that wide receiver. But the most disappointing part of it, I feel like the defense for the Texans started off strong. They started off showing the Jets like, hey, y'all have a strong defense, so do we. But the difference, the Jets' defense played that way for four entire quarters. Yeah, this is a Joe Douglas game, man. Garrett Wilson, Sauce, bringing DJ Reed over from Seattle and San Francisco. I mean, uh, it was like that was that was a Joe Douglas game to say the least. And Dean, not that you know, Mark and I always talk about this about how we feel, and you know, it doesn't matter whether the guys show up and play or not. It doesn't matter how we feel. But after that game was over, everything taken into account, what was kind of your like first emotion? Like, what were your what were your feelings as you watched the game over? It says thirty to six, and you're like, you turn it off and you go, dang. Were you mad? Were you upset? Like, okay, move on to the next one. Kind of how did you feel afterwards? You know what? I was reminded. It brought me back to reality. Because one thing I've been saying early on this season, and I'm sure listeners who listen all the time will be sick of me saying it, the Texans right now are a team that can beat the best team out there and they can lose to the worst. And I was reminded of the Carolina loss. I was reminded that if they don't play their A game, no matter who they're playing, they're not going to be able to beat them. The NFL is hard. One thing Andy Reid told us literally every day, practice, before games, after games, it's hard to win in the NFL. That's why you see the Chicago Bears beat the Lions. That's why you see the Cleveland Browns without Deshaun Watson beat the Jacksonville Jaguars who are truly playing for something. That's why you see a New England Patriots team who's been horrible this year, crush the Steelers. It is hard to win in the NFL, so you have to bring your A game. So when that game was over, to answer your question, John, it was humbling and it was just a reminder that if you don't bring your A game every single week, especially if you're still working on that roster, any team out there can beat you. And not just beat you, dang near embarrass you. Andy Kalu joining us. Andy, I know the protocols have changed since you've played, but here's C.J. Stroud in the concussion protocol, and I know no two concussions are alike, no two people are alike, but what are your thoughts on the process and what we're looking for this week from C.J. Stroud and what they're looking for? You know, I was thinking about that, Mark, after the game. My first thought was, you know what, play it safe, you know, hold them out for the entire week, get Davis Mills up and ready to go. This is why you want to have an experienced backup quarterback to, you know, try to get you victories or at least split if they have to play even number of games while the starter is resting or while he's hurt. But I just, I'm just not a doctor. So I feel like it would be foolish for me uh, to just say, oh, yeah, let's keep him out a week. While he's in the concussion protocol, by Tuesday, the team and the doctors and the people that truly care for CJ may say, you know what, he, he's ready to go. Uh, waiting another 10 days isn't going to help anything. But my initial thought was, hey, this is a young, promising quarterback. Let's make sure that he doesn't have a situation similar to Tua. And like you mentioned, every injury is different. Every player is different. But you don't want this to be a recurring issue, so play it safe. That, that's my initial thought. Like, just hold them out. You, you, you want all your guns for the Tennessee Titans, but you also want C.J. Stroud for years to come. My initial thought was hold them out. Let Davis Mills show what it means to have an experienced backup. 
And that was my 100% thought. I mean, Indy said it exactly. That's exactly my thought. And really? that is, and that is just, just what he said. Like, you've got to be, you've got to be protective because yesterday you have to realize you weren't protective of him in some sense. You know, um, you know, Quentin Williams, by the way, Indy, let me go there because that dude, I mean, the numbers don't say it, but I'm watching with my own eyes. And I know you watch the trenches better than anybody. Number 95 for the Jets, he's got to be as, I mean, to me, he's the best interior defensive player that I can remember seeing up close and personal. How did he impact the game yesterday other than obviously knocking CJ out of the game? But what was 95 doing yesterday and why was he so difficult seemingly for the guys inside to block? I mean, just his presence. You, you talked about it. a lot of it doesn't show up on the stat sheet and a much different body type. So when I compare him to Will Anderson, I'm just talking about the impact that he has. But there are so many plays where you're like, oh, wow, Quentin Williams made that play, even though he doesn't get credit for the tackle. He doesn't get credit for the sack or even the pressure sometimes. Just because of the movement, uh, when you talk about changing the line of scrimmage, just because of the attention he seeks from the offensive lineman. And, and you better, you better uh, make sure that you have at least two guys thinking about and game planning blocking Quentin Williams because he's so effective. They say he weighs like 310. He plays heavier than that, but he also plays more athletic than that. One thing I never quite understood, and maybe it's because I I don't live in the East Coast or Northeast, his his brother's pretty darn good. And it just doesn't seem like they get that much attention for them to be you know brothers i'm not talking about brothers with an a like we like to say on the streets but i'm talking about actual blood brothers and for them to be so effective on the same team it just i'm always blown away that that's not a bigger story because his brother quincy williams is a stud as well but yeah quentin williams i'm with you he, he's a top five interior lineman uh in the nfl to say the least andy kalu joining us andy the injuries are voluminous shall we say Dalton Schultz, he practiced Wednesday and then not Thursday and obviously out for the game, so we don't know his status. Nico Collins, don't know if he's going to be available. Will Anderson has something, don't know if he's going to be available. Blake Cashman, C.J. Stroud, the list goes on. What about this week in preparation without those players, with the uncertainty involved? My take is at least you're going to go into the game basically knowing what you've got. I know some of these guys can ramp up and play, and if they do, it's a bonus. But you've got to get ready for this one as if they are not available, and maybe that includes C.J. Stroud. What about the prep involved with the guys? You have a full week with them going into Nashville on Sunday. This is where culture and depth comes into play. You know, the great teams out there, when one person goes down, they don't miss a beat. Unless it's the quarterback, a lot of teams, the great teams out there, if a player goes down, a star you know, linebacker like Cashman, most of the people around are like, uh, you know what, we, we have the culture in place and we have the depth, we have the talent, and this is going to be a true test to the Houston Texans whether they have that. You know, depending on who's not going to be available for the game, you're expecting these guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball, to just pick up where the starters left off. Now, not where they left off against Jets, but where they left off as a season as a whole because in whole, the season for the defensive side has been pretty good. And there have been a couple of games you could point to and say, yeah, the defense won that. But the great teams, when somebody goes down, somebody else steps up. That second-string guy who who's mad and pouting that he should be a starter, okay, this is your chance to prove it. So that's what you hope for. That's what you want. And during the week, it's up to the coaching staff to instill that confidence, not just in that player, that's going to get more reps, 
but that starter that's next to him, hey, hey, this guy that's going to be starting for, and I'm just using Cashman as an example, he's just as good. He could be just as effective. So you go out there and play with the same confidence that you played when you had the starter next to you. So you, you really focus on just the culture and the depth this week. Andy, yesterday, John Grenard ended with two sacks. That gives him 10 for the year. He was a menace yesterday. I mean, he was he was going against his uh, former Louisville teammate, which we talked about a little bit, going against Mekhi Becton. It was all, it was interesting, kind of off the air, talking to him. I mean, he just kind of voluntarily brought it up because that's the way JG is, talking about what he would do and how he would work against Mekhi Becton and what he seemed to do work. I know John's in his contract year. Kind of your thoughts about Andy, about John Grenard, not only this year, but on to the future. Is that a guy that you look at and say, we've got to have him back. We've got to get him extended. There wasn't much to smile about after that game, but if anybody's had a five-minute conversation with Jonathan Grenard, you just become a fan of him as a man because he's just a great guy. And knowing that getting to double-digit sacks is similar to a running back hitting that 1,000-yard mark, it's a milestone that you want to achieve. And that that's the one thing that I just smiled when I when the game was over and I was thinking, oh, man, they they let this one slip away. They should have done this better. Oh, but Jonathan Grenard got 10 sacks. Oh, it's a contract year. Cha-ching. You know, I was just thinking all the good things for such a good person. Yes. But to answer your question, well, let, let me say this. It's easy for me to say with the <laughs> McNair's money, not my money. Right. Oh, yeah, you right. have to sign him, give him whatever he needs. But you have to make an aggressive offer because it is hard to find two edge players, you know, to find that uh, Kevin Hardy, Simeon Rice, uh, Tony Brackens, Kevin Hardy, Tony Brackens. I don't know if y'all remember yep. that duo back in the day for the Jags. It's hard mm-hmm. to find that. And I think you have it with Grenard and Will Anderson. So, no, in my opinion, that's uh, that's one of those offseason priorities, trying to figure out a way uh, to keep Jonathan Grenard on his team for the next four or five years. So, Double-digit sack guys in the history of the franchise. Mario, Whitney, Watt, Grenard. That's it. I don't think there's anybody. Oh, Barwin? Let me check Barwin. Uh, in 2011. Barwin might have been a nine-and-a-half guy. <laughs> I, I feel like Barwin had like seven in one game. Now, I'm thinking of the Jags in 2011 on the road. They had seven sacks as a team, but he had at least two of those or something. But anyway, it's a it's a short list. He had eleven and a half. Barwin had eleven okay, and a half Barwin. in Houston, 20, 2011. Yep. Yep. Twenty eleven. Big year for Barwin. Uh, and that was the year Watt had five. His rookie year. Yep. And that's where Will is. Uh, Will, obviously, don't know about him. Don't know about all these guys. We talked about the injuries a bunch. But let me ask both of you guys this: gut feel on the Titans. They played the Dolphins tonight, Monday Night Football. Ouch. What is this one doing on the schedule? But who knew? (laughs) But they get a short week. They'll be at home. What are your thoughts, ND? You know, it's so hard to predict, but because they're going to be at home, I feel a little bit better. If this team sneaks into the playoffs as a wild card. The Titans are at home. Oh, the Titans, when when they play the Texans? Yeah, yeah, the Titans are at home. My bad. (laughs) It's all right. You know what? It is tough. Like I just, like I said, would I be surprised if the Texans go there and dominate? No, because I feel like they can beat the best teams at times and they can lose to the worst teams if I'm going to be truly uh, transparent and honest with you. But it's just so hard because it's not just the Houston Texans. Just when you look around the NFL, outside of the San Francisco 49ers, week in and week out, you just don't know what team you're going to get. This game tonight's going to be good for the Houston Texan fans to watch so we could all play 
armchair general manager and scout the Tennessee Titans. Uh, but to, I just can't – like, I just don't know which team's going to show up. I need to know which players are going to be available. But I will say this. I don't see a scenario where D'Amico team uh, – D'Amico Ryan's team is going to put back-to-back two games that are just horrible. So that Jets game was horrible. I expect them to bounce back and have a better showing against the Titans. Great point. Everybody has stinkers. That was one yesterday, and there were a lot of reasons for it, but it still was what it was. You got a rebound from it. Look at what the Eagles did the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles the last couple of weeks got spanked by the Niners, and then last night they just didn't look good. I mean, Jalen Carter had more touchdowns than Jalen Hurts did. So, <laughs> you know, it happens It happens to it happens to teams. I think the biggest thing, you know, I think Indy hit it. Losing, okay, eh, wipe it away, move to the next one. But when you factor in the injuries and what could be, yeah. Not having, potentially not having CJ, potentially not having Will, maybe not having Nico, definitely not having Tank. What's Dalton Schultz's status? How about Cashman? I mean, look, this is going to be a man's man's game because you got to tackle Derrick Henry. So you've got to handle that business first. And, and on top of it, you're going there um, kind of a you know wounded animal in some sense, and they're going to be wearing the Oilers jerseys too. Oh, I forgot oh. about that. Man. That's this one. That's right. That's Here it this is. One. Here it's it is. This week. Okay. <laughs> if we could right. bottle up the feeling from the fans, like the fans here that are, you know, part of the uh, Love You Blue days, if you could bottle up the, uh, the, the the disrespect and the feeling the fans are going to have when they see the Titans wearing the old oiler colors and somehow implement that and give that to the players, then, then it's going to be a blowout. But unfortunately, I don't think the players, because one, they're too young, the majority of them aren't from Houston, I don't think they truly understand the, the disrespect when the Tennessee Titans jog out there looking yep. like the Houston Oilers. That, that, Absolutely. They don't yep. truly feel that. Great point. Great point. I mean, it's, You know what would, they'll be thinking? They'll be thinking, man, those jerseys are fire. That's what they're yeah, going to be exactly. thinking it might be. But <laughs> exactly. as far as the emotional impact, it's like playing Pittsburgh when they wear those prison uniform uniforms. <laughs> what, what are those things? <laughs> what are those things, the Steelers, old uniforms? It looks like it looks like jail uniforms from the 1920s in old silent movies, doesn't it? It's like Charlie you Chaplin. That right as I was taking a drink, I got water all over the place over here. <laughs> they look awful. But <laughs> that, that's what I... Except, except these are nice-looking uniforms. All right, ND, thanks a lot. You have Desmond King on the Texans Huddle Players Show tomorrow night nice. at 6. Looking forward nice. to it. All right, see all you right. all tomorrow. Yeah, you definitely got to check out that Players Show. Case Keenum with Indy Kalu the other day. Uh, Drew Doherty was absolutely awesome. So you definitely got to check that out, Des King, as you heard Mark say right there. That's going to be a good one. So check that out. Also a good one, the General John McClain. He is next right here on Texans All Access. All right, we got a lot to do before we shut it down here on our final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. The General is going to stop by, and then we'll take a recap and a run through Week 14 in the NFL. Another great weekend outside of what happened in East Rutherford, New York, uh, New Jersey, whatever. It's the same place. I'm convinced it's the same place. I don't know why they separated it. Maybe there's tax implications. Maybe the New Jersey Mafia doesn't like New York Mafia. I don't know, but it's the same place. And we'll talk about everything, but but first we got to talk to the general, John McClain. Okay, let's hear it. What is your reaction a day later? It was a bad day at the, at the office. You flushed it. 
and you move on. Everybody's voices are just fried. What is yeah, going on? Toast. I think it's week 15 voice. That's yeah, what it that's is. exactly what it First is. First of all, I am blaming Seth Payne because by listening to him on the radio for two weeks while he yeah. had that horrible voice, I think I caught what he had. Right. So through, it's his fault. Through the airwaves. Through the airwaves, yeah, yes. You, because you when got. you broadcast and you have that, obviously you're spreading it to everybody through the radio waves. So, Seth, it's all your fault. Anyway, General, are you back? I'm you know back, and I'm. Uh, you, you sound great for a guy that had voice issues. Yeah, Thank General, you. You, I haven't clicked on the article. In fact, I just saw it pop up um, on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. You gave out seven Fs. <laughs> Did anybody get anything other than an F? Yeah, several positions did. Okay. Um, yep. Let's okay. see. I had, Go with it. I had uh, running backs. I can't remember. I don't have my report card in front of me. I do that right after the game. Did they get a D? But no. <laughs> defensive line. I thought defensive line deserved uh, because Jonathan Grenard played a great game. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I can't remember what all I gave. Fs. I gave an F plus, F and a couple of F minuses as well. What was the one thing, General, in your mind, the the biggest thing? And maybe I'll take the CJ concussion out of it because obviously that's to me the, the biggest of all from yesterday. But what was the most uh, grating thing on your nerves that happened yesterday? That they let Zach Wilson throw for 301 yards and two touchdowns, mm. and they couldn't cover Garrett Wilson. And Brees Hall, they couldn't cover Brees Hall, and he broke so many tackles or bad tackles, bad angles. They just couldn't stop him. And we're talking about a team that had scored two offensive touchdowns in five games. That, being unable to stop the Jets, was the worst thing about the game besides losing all the players to injuries. Yeah, no question. Losing your top three receivers. You already lost Tank Dell. You went into the game without Dalton Schultz, and you knew you wouldn't have him probably from Thursday on. But to lose Nico, who early on he was running that orbit motion stuff that Dell runs, a little bit of that, right? So he was going to figure in big time in the game plan, obviously, and that didn't work out. C.J. goes 10 of 23, easily the toughest game of his NFL career so far. And Zach Wilson throws for 301. All in all, a really hard thing to digest. In general, running the football, the Texans, 81 yards on the ground, which you know they've had wins with uh, something similar. But get this, they had 67 at the half. So they had 14 in the second half on the ground. After a while, it became a throwing game only. But at 0-0, were you thinking, uh-oh, or were you thinking they could still do this? I mean, obviously they could still do it. But what were your thoughts at the half when it was 0-0 for the first time in franchise history, a 0-0 tie at the half for a Texans game? I thought there's a good chance they're going to pull it out because they've been pulling out so many games. Eight in a row decided in the last 30 seconds. And I thought as long as Stroud was in there, no matter who played receiver, they still had a chance to do it. Same thing happened that last game against Denver. They ran well in the first half, didn't do squat in the second, and I think the running game just is going to continue to be an issue. Now they got to get Davis Mills ready to start. They're fortunate that they have a, 
Mills. Mills and Keenum both have a lot of starting experience. Mills has had one of the best games of his career against the Titans when the Titans were really good trying to get a home field advantage in the playoffs. I think Mills, he's not Stroud, but I think he'll play well. Titans don't have Jeffrey Simmons, who's been a big thorn in the Texans' side. So Texans, even though they're one-point underdogs, we don't know how many players are going to be out. But usually when guys go out and don't come back, they don't come back the next week. One of the biggest mysteries to me is what's happened to Noah Brown. He had back-to-back great games. He got hurt and missed two. He's got a knee injury, but he's targeted seven times in the last two games, and he doesn't have a catch. And Robert Woods won for minus two yards. I thought Mechie won for six. The leading wide receiver, Xavier Hutchinson, two for 15 yards. I thought those other receivers would step step up, but uh, Stroud was under so much pressure from that defensive line and their four-man rush. One reason they have three players with at least six sacks coming in, and one's not Quinnen Williams, because he gets all the double teams. He's double teamed more than he tackled in the league, and he's a great player, and that frees up the other players. Sala and D'Amico play the same defense. They want to rush four so they can have everybody in coverage. Fortunately for the Jets and Robert Sala, they were able to get to Stroud with a, and Mills with a four-man rush and a lot of pressure. Now the Texans, best, the only good thing to come out of that game, this was my lead on my column on sportsradio610.com. They're in the same situation as last week, one behind the Jaguars and tied with the Colts. But they could have been tied with the Jaguars one game ahead of the Colts, but it's a heck of a playoff race. And, uh, boy, they got to beat the Titans twice. General, what do you make of the Titans tonight against Miami, down in Miami in a doubleheader co-Monday night? I don't know how you want to say it. going to be but- ugly. I think Miami's offense is fantastic at home. And we still got to see what the Dolphins can do when they're playing in bad weather and like the Texans played in yesterday. But uh, they should just wallop the Titans. I can't wait to see how the Texans do against Derrick Henry because the run defense is good. They limited the Jets to 79, Brees Hall to 40. He earned much more as a receiver. And I think they – you know, they've had such bad luck against Derrick Henry, and I can't wait to see if they can limit him like they have everybody else. You know, their run defense has been so good, the biggest pro- improvement on the team. And uh, they'll be going against Will Levis, and it'd be great if there was Will Levis versus C.J. Stroud maybe in the second one uh, this season in two weeks. But uh, uh, I feel comfortable with Davis Mills as the starter because I think Bobby Slowick, Gerard Johnson doing a good job with him. He's experienced. And if you got to lose your starter, they're going to be in good hands with Mills. Well, I'd feel a lot more comfortable if he had Tank Dell, Nico Collins, yes. Dalton Schultz, all those guys to work with. And you might get Nico and Dalton. You never know. Let's hope for the best here. If Mills has to go, he's four and one in the division on the road in his career, and that's a nice thing. General, you mentioned the run defense. It is good, but the pass defense is 26th in the league, and you get the feeling the Jets took note of that and capitalized. They need to improve in this department because Zach Wilson, I didn't worry about Zach Wilson doing what he did yesterday, yet he did it. 
I was more concerned about a couple of big throws here or there, but this is something they have to get straightened out because, look, Will Levis could make some big throws as well. I'm not saying Will Levis is Zach Wilson, but you could slow down Derrick Henry and still have difficulty stopping the Titans if you're giving up big plays through the air. they got to get it together. Wilson just happened to have one of the best games of his career, and they had a lot of season highs on offense. And um, Sean Pendergast and I talked about on our Utopia Football podcast about how we worried about this game. All signs pointed to a close game because all Texans games had been close, but the Jets had nothing to lose. And uh, so good for them. Texans move on. They still got a winning record. They still are doing better than any of us thought. Now they got to beat the Titans and they – then uh, they come back against Cleveland, and Joe Flacco's been reborn with one of the best couch-to-quarterback jobs in history so far. And uh, then they get the Titans again and close the Colts. So everything is right there for them to have a winning record, everything right there for them to make the playoffs. Because, um, But, you know, it'd feel a lot better if Stroud were healthy, but hopefully he'll only miss one game. They're, they're not going to say it all week, but you guys know. When somebody goes in a concussion protocol, leaves the game, doesn't come back, they generally don't play the next week. Yeah, I think it's only been one player this year that did. I can't remember who. It happened just recently. It was only one guy from well, – I can't remember who it was. But it's only one that I've seen all quarterback year. Quarterback or other not position. a quarterback. Um, yeah. And, I think it was a wide receiver. And this is what bothers me, sure. too, because we've seen concussed quarterbacks here before. Brian Hoyer yeah, 2015 I, comes to mind. And I, I always felt like I'm sure he cleared protocol. He wouldn't be playing if he didn't. But it – he was not the same player when he came back. He yep. just wasn't. He wasn't as good, period. Yeah. Just did not play as well, and I don't know if that's because of the concussion or whatever, but I hate seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. You hate seeing that. But, General, we did love seeing the Jaguars lose yesterday, and you mentioned Joe Flacco. The Browns' defense is now giving up points, but now the Browns' offense is scoring points. I kind of can't figure out the Cleveland Browns, but the Jaguars get a loss. Your thoughts about the AFC essentially staying the same, just everybody with an added loss. Well, it would have been so good for the Texans if they'd been able to move into a tie for first place, and they're playing the Titans while the Jaguars are playing the Ravens. And the Ravens just had an incredible overtime victory over the Rams on a punt return for a touchdown by a guy that wasn't even supposed to be returning punts, but did because of an injury. And so they're, you know, they're trying to get home field advantage. So they got a chance to beat the Jaguars. Jacksonville's playing in all where they've been bad, not even mediocre, just bad. So uh, beat the Titans, and then you might find yourself back tied for first place, and it's a great race. And the fact that Texans are in it, you know, who would have thunk it before the season? Uh, but they are. And uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun watching them in these last four games down at crunch time. Yeah, it'd be great if Dalton Schultz could come back. He's missed the last two with a hamstring injury. It'd be great if Noah Brown could even be uh, do an impersonation of what he did against the Buccaneers and the Bengals. And uh, but this is a game. Even though the Texans are underdogs right now, they should be able to beat. Will Levin. It's going to be fun to see DeAndre Hopkins for, for the first. Have they played against Hop yet? I can't even remember. With one the Cardinals, was it yes. Once Cardinals. Yep, it's going Cardinals. to be fun to see Hop again. And uh, so I look, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. It means so much for the Texans. And you know, Mike Vrabel and Tim Kelly and all of them would love to uh, 
stick a thorn in the Texans side, and this came too. Yeah, everybody having a little voice issue this morning. Mark, General, mine held up okay, but as soon as I say that, I better knock on wood, man, because it's going to get bad. Okay, let's make a run through week 14 of the NFL. Man, four more regular season weeks, and how important are those? It's unbelievable to think. One year ago today, what were we talking about? Mathematically eliminated, we were thinking about most fans out there were like, lose, 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 we get a high draft pick. I mean, that's where we were last year. And this year, we're like, we're getting ready to play Tennessee, who has four wins, and playing on Monday night in Miami. Should get another loss, hopefully. And we're still in the playoff race. I mean, it's wild. Wild to think about, but that's where we are. All right, let's dive into these games real quick. Let's get a little music going to finish up here. And before we turn it over to Monday Night Football, there's two games of Monday Night Football. Packers, Giants, Dolphins, and Titans. I'm not sure which one exactly will be on Sports Radio 610, but either way, you're going to get one of those great games. Great games happened in Atlanta. How about the fact that, tell me if you heard this before, inside a minute, Cade Otten catches a touchdown to take the lead for the Buccaneers. Does that sound sound familiar? It should because he did it against the Texans, but C.J. Stroud got the Bucs. He and Tank Dell hooked up to win that game. Atlanta Falcons do not have C.J. Stroud playing for them. So the Bucs ended up winning this one. Otten caught a touchdown pass with 31 seconds left to beat the Falcons 29-25. Baker Mayfield threw two touchdowns. Desmond Ritter had a big yardage day, 347 and a touchdown, but he threw an interception, uh, and that was crushing. Rashad White, one of my favorite guys in the draft a few years ago, thought he was the best running back in that draft. 25 carries for 102 yards for the Buccaneers. 29-25, 6-7 Bucs, 6-7 Falcons, 6-7 Saints, as Chris Berman would say, the Saints are six and seven. Yeah, the Saints are six and seven. Why? Well, Derek Carr returned and got a 28-6 win over the hapless Panthers. I'm telling you right now, I don't want to say this. I really don't. Don't say it, John. Don't say it. Good at Panthers loss is killing me. And think if they've beaten the Panthers on the road. Now, maybe they don't get a win somewhere else. But what if they don't lose that sorry game? They're the ones uh, – forget it. Anyways, Panthers lost again. They mustered up two field goals, and that was it. Derek Carr throws for 119 yards, two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara with a touchdown. Uh, just a bad day all around for Bryce Young. 13 of 36. Bad football played in New Orleans, but New Orleans, Carolina, um, New Orleans, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay all tied at 6-7 atop the NFC South. Man, how about that? How about this upset? Are the Lions starting to fade? Lions lose 28-13 to to the Chicago Bears. Bears are now 5-8, starting to make a turn. How about the Bears? Justin Fields threw for 223 and a touchdown. He ran for 58 yards and a touchdown. Jared Goff had two interceptions. And this is a game the Lions trailed 10-0, got back in front at the half 13-10. And then the Bears shut them out in the second half. Shut them out. 28-13. Bears get a win in Chicago. The Bears are now 5-8. Just like the New York Jets. Detroit falls to 9-4. Still atop the NFC North. The Packers play tonight. Packers go to 7-6. Get within two games of the Lions. Boy, it gets interesting. Now, AFC South games. Let's go to Cincinnati where Jake Browning was given uh, given his friend's suite. His friend is Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow got his, his Joe, 
Jake Browning's girlfriend, family, a suite so they could watch the game from there. And Jake Browning did not disappoint yet again. 275 yards throw, uh, passing, two touchdowns. Uh, you had Joe Mixon with 79 yards and a touchdown. The Bengals jumped all over the Colts, and I love it. Colts only had 14 points. They had an interception return for seven of them. So they only scored seven points offensively. Gardner Minshew threw an interception. Zach Moss is the lead rusher. He only rushed for 28. 34-14. Cincinnati moves to 7-6. Texas have beat them. Colts moved to 7-6. Texas lost to them. All right. AFC South, let's stick with it. Browns, Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence did play. And he threw not one, not two, but three touchdowns. He also threw not one, not two, but three interceptions. He threw it 50 times. But the story in this game is Joe Flacco. Ryan Clark said on ESPN, he actually, Joe Flacco, tried out for Inside the NFL, the NFL Highlight Show on CW. I don't know whether he got it or not, but I don't know. He didn't get it, I guess, because I hadn't seen him on a show. He tried out for it. He must have tried out for the Browns, too, and he made it, and now he's the toast to Cleveland. Joe Flacco, 311 yards passing on 26 of 45, three touchdowns, and was just diamond Jaguars all over the place. David Njoku, six receptions, 91 yards and two touchdowns. Evan Ingram had two touchdowns. Big day for the tight ends, I guess you're going to call them that. They're just big receivers. But the Jags fall to 8-5 and five as Cleveland moves to 8-5. and five. 31-27, the Jags stopped inside their 10 late in the game with a Miles Garrett sack. The Browns are hot. We'll see them in two weeks. The Jags lose for the second time in a row. So in the AFC South, the Jags are 8-5. Colts 7-6, Texans 7-6. A win for the Texans. Would have tied them with the Jags, but that didn't happen. So now they've got to do it against the Titans and hope. All right, let's look ahead for just a quick second. Next week, full slate of games. Colts play the Steelers in Indy on Saturday. We'll be traveling while that game is going on. We obviously play the Titans. So keep an eye on the Colts and the Jaguars play on Sunday night in Duval County. The Baltimore Ravens. Let's go Ravens. We'll know Saturday where the Colts are. Whether that puts a charge in us, who knows. See how we respond against the Titans. Don't know what our injury situation its situation will be on Sunday. But then you've got the Jaguars playing Sunday night. So hopefully... When we get back from Tennessee, we'll see the second half of that game, and it'll be a Ravens win. Ravens had a walk-off win on a punt return by Tylen Wallace, which was awesome. The uh, Vikings beat the Raiders 3-0, which was not awesome. And then, of course, controversial game of the entire weekend, Bills-Chiefs. Looked like Travis Kelsey had maybe the play of the year, but Kadarius Toney was lined up offside. Offside, how about that? Bills win 2017. Don't look now if the Bills are 7-6. The Cowboys hammered the Eagles and now lead the NFC East. Broncos beat the Chargers 24-7. And the Niners continue their dominance, winning 28-16 over the Seahawks. And that's going to do it for the show. Appreciate you guys. Monday Night Football coming up. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.